You're listening to a podcast from the Tudor Institute Ireland Conference. The seventh annual Tudor Institute Ireland Interdisciplinary Conference took place at NUI Galway in August 2017. The conference was generously supported by the College of Arts, Social Sciences and Celtic Studies at NUI Galway, the School of Humanities at NUI Galway, the Moore Institute at NUI Galway, the Disciplines of History and English at NUI Galway, the Women's History Association of Ireland and Marsh's Library. As in previous years, the majority of papers were recorded for podcasting by Real Smart Media, in association with UCD's History Hub. There are now more than 180 podcasts from previous Tudor and Stuart Ireland conferences freely available. To access this archive, go to historyhub.ie forward slash podcasts or visit tudorstuartireland.com. In this episode, a recording of a paper by Dr. Yvonne McDermott from the Galway Mayo Institute of Technology. Her paper was entitled The Fate of Mind Friary, History and Architecture in the Early Modern Period. Thank you to Brona and thank you to the organisers um, for having me speak today. Um, rumours of the demise of the monasteries in Ireland during the period um, 1536 to 1540 campaign um, of suppression have usually been um, greatly exaggerated, especially where the rural friaries of the mendicant orders are concerned. Um, and so um, those dates of 1536 to 1540 um, have often been cited as, as being um, crucial. Um, but the um, uh, dissolution of the monasteries during the reign of Henry VIII was limited in its effectiveness by the Crown's inability to enforce its wishes in areas of Ireland that it didn't effectively control. Um, we see more concerted efforts to suppress religious houses being made in Ireland during the reign of Elizabeth I. Um, and we also see measures to bring Ireland more firmly and fully under Crown control. Um, we can also see that the ostensible dissolution of a religious house did not necessarily spell its end, um, but might just signal the beginning of a different sort of existence for that religious house. Um, it didn't necessarily mean the end of new construction of religious houses, and it didn't necessarily mean their rapid descent into ruin. And this is what I'm going to be speaking about with reference to um, Moyne Friary. Um, Moyne Friary is a, um, is a friary that's quite well known in Mayo and there's a lot of discussion about um, access to it, which I'm not really going to go into in great detail today. Um, but it uh, is one of those friaries that successfully managed to evade um, being um, suppressed during the um, first dissolution campaign, only to be um, suppressed later on during the um, Elizabethan campaign. And the reality of this state of um, supposed dissolution is something that I'm going to um, consider. Um, there, uh, there have been um, suggestions that the friary was burnt um, in the post-medieval period, um, which I'm going to deal with, and I'm also going to think about um, some of the construction work that was undertaken during the post-medieval period as well. So for mine and for other friaries in Ireland, there was life after dissolution, and I'm going to um, have a look at the nature of this. Um, Ellis describes the authors of official sources in Ireland as being hostile witnesses. Um, and so when we approach their work, we need to bear that in mind. And um, equally in looking at the Franciscan authors of um, this period, and um, they brought their own ideals and sensibilities to what they're writing. Um, records for the regranting of monastic um, lands and buildings sometimes follow the suppression of these houses. Um, and we also have the writings of um, Friar Donatus Mooney, uh, Minister Provincial of the Irish Franciscans from um, 1615 to 1617 that cast light on um, what some of these friaries were like at particular times and he refers to um, Moyne. Um, O'Clobby refers to Mooney's De Provincia Hiberniae as the single most important source 
for the history of the Franciscans in the late medieval and early modern period in Ireland. Um, other important Franciscan sources of the period include Friar Francis of Mahony's um, brief synopsis. Um, the rural location of um, friaries like um, uh, Moyne, also Rossark, Burshul, Mursk and County Mayo um, assisted their survival. Um, rural friaries had proliferated in late uh, medieval Ireland, as Keith discussed, um, especially in the west and north. Um, but uh, having friaries in rural areas um, was very rare in England. It was also um, quite rare um, elsewhere in Europe. And the urban location of friaries in England made them quite conspicuous to the authorities, um, all the more so given that the friars had actively um, resisted some of Henry VIII's religious policies. Um, a further um, benefit for the friars in avoiding dissolution was the mendicant nature of um, their existence, or the supposed mendicant nature of their existence maybe at times. Um, the Franciscans, Dominicans, Carmelite and Augustinian friars lived a life of poverty supported by begging for alms. So although the friaries accumulated some property um, in different forms, including land, buildings, altar plate, um, this tended not to be as valuable as what other might, monastic orders might have, such as the Cistercians. So if one were financially motivated uh, in dissolving religious houses, um, then you might perhaps be drawn to those that had more um, assets for you to um, seize or, or liquidate. Um, so um, whilst it has been argued that the seizure of monastic assets and generation of funds from a religious house was at least in part a motivation for Henry VIII's targeting of monastic houses, uh, suppressing friaries in the dangerous lands of Connacht mightn't have given him a sufficient return on investment to justify the um, effort required. Uh, furthermore, the mendicant orders had been revived by the observant reform. This was a movement that saw uh, their members renew their commitment to the principles upon which the orders had originally been founded, and principles including um, um, poverty and a commitment to pastoral care. And amongst um, observant friaries, Moyne seems to have been um, a particularly true shade of observance in their um, following of the, the rules. A number of provincial chapters were held at Moyne Friary throughout its history. These included examples held in 1541 and 1550. And these indicate that Moyne was a sufficiently safe location to host a meeting of significance. Five earlier chapters had also been held at the Friary in 1464, 1478, 1498, 1504 and also 1512. Um, in 1574, a report on the state of Connacht and compiled by Sir Peter Carew for the Lord Deputy Fitzwilliam includes Moyne on a list of religious houses which are possessed either by friars or rebels, or possibly both at once, um, so as Her Majesty hath no commodity by saying. Seventeen religious houses in Mayo are listed as being outside of Crown control. They also include Ballinrobe, Murrisk, Burshul, Burrascar Friaries, and the Augustinian abbeys of um, Ballantopper and Crossmalina. A 1577 document from the Irish State Papers comprises a list of the monasteries of Connacht and it refers to Moyne as being in the occupation of William O'Crane and other friars. Despite evading suppression until um, 1590, um, Moyne wasn't completely spared from the anger of the English forces who attacked it in either 1578 or 1582. Uh, the two competing dates come from uh, two different 17th century accounts of Donatus Mooney and um, Francis O'Mahony respectively. Uh, Canis Mooney favoured the later date of the 1st of May, 1582. This incident resulted in the murder of the lay brother Phelan O'Hara, an elderly member of the community, who volunteered to stay behind and attempt to conciliate with the raiders while the others escaped by boat. 
Um, Conlon says that he was killed for his refusal to divulge the hiding place of the altar plate. And he was buried in the chapter room. Another friar, Henry Delahoyd, is said to have been killed at the same time. Amongst those who escaped was the provincial of the order, Ono Duhi, the Irish equivalent of Bernadine of Siena, a travelling star performer, we're told. Um, um, in an article by Millet, he said he always travelled on foot without any footwear, even sandals, which um, would have been OK. Um, his preaching was never boring, though somewhat devoid of eye contact, given his habit of preaching with his eyes closed. His poetry was often satirical and particularly scathing of Catholic priests who converted to Protestantism. Um, the burning of the neighbouring friaries of Moyne and Rosserk by Sir Richard Bingham in 1590 is an event that is frequently referred to, including on um, OPW um, signage at Moyne. Sir Richard Bingham was um, provincial, pr- provincial president of Connacht from 1584 to 1596. And if I just go back um, to this map, it gives us an indication of the um, political um, geography um, around 1534. And you can see Moyne located um, in what we would know today as North Mayo, but in the north of um, the um, Burke Lordship. Um, the Annals of Lockheed provide a description of the actions of Bingham's forces in dealing with the Queen's enemies, the Burkes and the O'Donnells. Um, these events are part of his campaign commencing in 1589 to impose order in North Connacht. Um, Sir Richard went with an immense army, the annals say, against Clan William until he arrived at Schlievebo A. Some of the Clan William and Clan Donal opposed them. They gave battle to each other and a few persons were slain between them on both sides. At this point, Hennessy, the editor of the annals, inserted a footnote saying that um, the statement above was followed by a clause in the manuscript that had been stricken out in pen. As the army saw coming down towards them the people of Chiroli, they burned the monastery of Moyne and the monastery of Rathfran and the monastery of Rosserk. This was followed by a further clause, not stricken out, and they broke down their castles and they burnt their houses and their share of corn. And the editor's implication is that the portion of the discussion which had been stricken out should be treated with caution, as there must have been a reason why someone, whether the original author or not, chose to draw a line through this text. Um, he decided to include it as a footnote rather than in the main body of the text, and that may well be um, significant. Moyne has been described as being in ruins by 1595, although Staley contends that this description may be somewhat exaggerated. A grant of 1595, uh, which authorised the rental of the friary to Edmund Barrett, described it as consisting of a church, a dormitory, two stone dormitories, wholly ruined and in decay, the place where once was a watermill, the cemetery and the orchard, and four acres of pasture surrounded by stone walls. This grant was made to Barrett in consideration of his wounds and for service in the war manifoldly rendered. In his account of 1617 to 1618 visit to Irish Franciscan friaries, Donatus Mooney recorded there was a population of six friars at Moyne, certainly a sharp decline from the heyday of the friary when a community of maybe 50 friars and novices um, would, have, um, would have lived there. Um, repairs to the, the damage referred to above had been made by the friars and were funded by the laity. As the 17th century um, progressed, it became increasingly difficult for the friars to continue their work. Um, Conlon indicates that the Moyne community relocated to kill McShalgan County uh, Sligo around 1697 for a time and undertook parish work. 
The friars had to abandon Moyne on a number of occasions throughout the 17th century and find accommodation elsewhere, often in the locality. That's a pattern that we see repeated at other friaries, including um, Ross Early. The decline of Moyne Friary continued into the 18th century, with a community of six friars in 1744 being reduced to two by 1771. And 1800 saw the death of the last Moyne Friar, Father Thomas Burke, another Thomas Burke. Um, in the next part of my paper, I'm going to have a think about, um, have a look at some of the evidence for construction in the early modern period at Moyne Friary. Um, on approaching any friary, the um, first um, uh, sign that you might get of what the artistic scheme of that friary may be like is typically the west doorway. And this is where the congregation would have entered um, into the, um, the church for the various ceremonies that were held there. At Moyne, when we reach the west doorway, we find something that is um, slightly out of sync with a lot of the architecture of the rest of the friary. <coughs> Um, Roger Sally has dated this doorway to the 17th century. It uh, features a round arch with a decorated keystone and a heavy moulding surmounting the entire doorway. Uh, McAllister um, uh, suggested that the doorway was produced elsewhere and brought ready-made to Moyne, where it was then put in place. The front of the keystone is carved with what appears to be the head and shoulders of an angel. A large portion of the face has been chipped away. Um, the head has flowing curls and is an indication of, uh, we can get an indication of the neckline of a garment. The figure is winged, although it doesn't have a nimbus. Um, halos grew in size um, in their depiction in art throughout the medieval period, only to contract again and during the post-medieval period. And after that time, sometimes they were left out completely. Um, they weren't necessarily depicted in late medieval Irish figure sculpture either. And there are a number of examples of um, angel carvings from this period at Moyne Friary, which isn't far away, at Rossark Friary, which isn't far from Moyne. Um, none of them have a nimbus, but all have wings, as does the uh, Moyne example. Um, and here we can see the um, various angel carvings at Rossark, um, including um, two angels um, holding the um, instruments of the Passion, um, one angel emerging from a wall with some sort of a, a heraldic crest or shield in front, um, and another angel um, on the bottom corner there who's holding on to the um, um, point at the end of a corbel. Um, wings came into use in European art as attributes for angels from around um, 350 AD. Um, an interesting aside, a court in Germany in 1983 decreed that angels depicted on Christmas decorations must have wings in order for the product to be exempt from tax. <laughs> Um, looking at other friary doorways, I have a range of them here from um, Kilconnell, Rossark, Rossarely, Burrashul, Kilbuck. They give us an indication of what late, late medieval friary doorways in the west of Ireland uh, might um, tend to look at. And the west doorway at Moyne is later in date and is obviously um, quite different. Um, so that doorway at Moyne is in the um, uh, classical style, but perhaps without attention to some of the proportions and finesse of the, um, of the classical style. It's also worth noting that the doorway is off-centre in relation to the window that's above it, um, which isn't a surprise given that they were the result of a different phase of activity. The same um, phenomenon in actually a more extreme version is apparent in Ross Early, um, Franciscan Friary near Hedford as well. Um, this drawing gives us an indication of the extent of the, the friary at um, Moyne. Um, 
a, a large building designed to accommodate a large community. Um, but what is of interest is the two-storey building that emerges at a right angle from the eastern range of the domestic buildings. Um, there's no consensus on the date of the structure. Stalley states it's reminiscent of Jacobean cottage architecture. Leask referred to it as being modern. Now, what Leask meant by modern might be quite a, a, a broad term. Um, Kinalehen Friar in County Galway also has Jacobean influences in its domestic ranges, most notably in the chimney stack in the northwestern um, corner of the complex. And the purpose of the building that was added at Moyne seems to have been domestic, and there are chimney stacks at its uh, east and west ends. And um, that's the west end. You can also see um, the, the east end as well. Um, wall cupboards have been included in the um, gables on both floors. Um, the structure could have been entered through any of the three doorways it has, one of which was in the west gable of the structure and was connected by means of a corridor to the cloister. A guard rope and a refectory lay to the north of this corridor with the chapter room to the south. Uh, the post-medieval house could also be entered at four, first floor level through a doorway in the west gable. There's also a doorway at um, ground floor level in the north wall of the house. Um, when Donatus Mooney visited Moyne Friary in June 1616, he found the friary to be in possession of an English widow who had permitted the friars to remain on in part of the building, um, perhaps the part that the friars are recorded as having repaired with um, local support. Um, Mooney also indicates that he encountered the widow's family um, during this visit. Um, they may perhaps have occupied um, this residential building to the east of the friary um, and wished to have their own entrance um, and use the, the, the door on the north of the building for this purpose. Um, finally, I'm going to have a look at the Tower of Moyne Friary. Um, in her essay, Reduce, Reuse, Recycle Irish Monastic Architecture, 1540 to 1640, Rachel Moss indicates that the Tower of Moyne Friary was converted for residential use um, during the 17th century. Many religious houses in Ireland avoided the um, immediate fate of what Moss disturbed of what Moss terms destruction and despoilation and were instead modified for a variety of purposes. Um, these included functions such as education, hospitality for the sick and poor, defence and administration, also residential use. In addition, she observes that continuing use as religious houses is apparent in a number of cases, as well as occasionally becoming attractive places of pilgrimage. So we can see the um, Tower of Moyne there um, rising up from amongst these various um, gable rooms. And on closer inspection, we can see a difference between the right side of the tower and the left side of the tower. Um, but prior to looking at that in more detail, um, here's a couple of um, towers of late medieval date from um, friaries in Ireland. We have the Tower of Ross Early, um, not far from here, with the Tower of Ross Cirque, not far from Moyne. And we have the very different looking Tower of Burshul, which is short and squat and wide and more in the style perhaps of what the Cistercians built. But the Franciscans tended to build, build these tall, slender, shouldered belfry towers. So in looking at Moyne, you can see looking at the photograph and also looking at the tracing beside it, and this line that runs up, um, not slightly off centre um, in the tower, we can see where the, the uh, point of the gable is below. And we can see the original portion of the tower above that. And then to the right, we can see something else going on, a later addition that was made, which appears to have been to facilitate the addition of a newel staircase um, in the tower. We can also see the string courses that run on the various different levels of the tower, um, several of which have a dental moulding on them, but only on the new part uh, that has been added on to the tower. <coughs> 
Um, this photograph shows the other three faces of the tower. And again, you can see the distinction between um, the original um, components and the, proportion that, the portion that was added on later. Um, in looking at this view um, from the nave through the chancel arch and into the choir, you can again see how the tower looks to be off-centre in relation to that arch, but that, um, that effect is really because of the addition that's been added on to the side of the tower. Um, as the crown extended its reach into the west of Ireland, it became increasingly difficult for Moyne to avoid suppression. When the dissolution did occur, it didn't spell the end of Moyne Friary, but rather the beginning of a new phase for the friars, one sometimes was characterised by instability, violence and threats, which sometimes drove them to alternative temporary living quarters. Uh, nonetheless, it is apparent the construction of Moyne did not cease with his dissolution, but rather we can see that new construction was undertaken, undertaken reflecting changes in the life of the friary. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this Tudor and Stuart Ireland conference podcast. If you would like to access the archive of more than 180 podcasts from previous Tudor and Stuart Ireland conferences, please go to historyhub.ie forward slash podcasts. All podcasts are freely available on iTunes and SoundCloud. For more information on the annual Tudor and Stuart Ireland Interdisciplinary Conference, visit the conference website at tudorstuartireland.com.